welcome to the first episode of The Prep Perspective. I'm your host, Andrew Hood, and today we're interviewing Mr. Kennedy. Hello, uh, everyone. Our, Good morning. Our wonderful activities director here at Prep. So we've got a few questions for him starting off today, all right? So first, uh, you're obviously the activities director here at Prep. Mm-hmm. What do you think the importance of student activities is to you know the culture of Prep? Yeah, that's a great uh it's a great question to start off, um, but in some ways, uh, it's not always for me to answer, but I would be curious to hear what you have to say on this, Andrew. Um, what uh, what would you say are some of the ways that uh, student activities have added to your prep experience? And there's a reason why I'm asking you the question first as opposed to me answering the question first. What do you think? I think... You know, as a sophomore, right? Yes. So I'm looking back to my freshman year sure. uh, and how all that sort of played out. I think for me, the, the biggest turning point in my year was probably the swim team. Okay. That was where I met most of my current friends uh, and all the people that I, I know today, mostly from there. Sure. So my first three months were a little rough. I didn't know too many people, was sort of still, you know, trying to put the whole high school thing together. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, swimming and robotics, those two things sort of, uh, you know, introduced me to my group of friends and I was able to, uh, you know, really get in contact with the people I know today and also, you know, have the opportunity to meet some faculty members and teachers, yes. that sort of thing. Yes. I, and I think you've touched on three major points of what uh, student activities or co-curriculars add to uh, add to a student's prep experience or high school experience. Uh, I like how you said you could, those first couple of months were, were rough. Um, when when you're new in the building, uh, when you're in a new community, I like to think of it as there's a gap uh, between a place of maybe comfort or success or an older community where you knew how to operate within it. And that would normally be your grade school or whatever, or whatever school you came from. Uh, but when you enter a high school, regardless if you're academically prepared or um, or you know about prep because you had older siblings that came through, there's still some gap for, for you that uh, is just part of being welcomed into a, a community, being new in the place, maybe not knowing all the people in your classes like you did as you were uh, an eighth grader. Uh, so there's, there's a gap there. Uh, in terms of friends, in terms of relationships, uh, in terms of just knowing what opportunities are out there that we have to be uh, mindful of. But co-curriculars can really help with that gap. They can provide a group of friends that you can get to know. Uh, either it's uh, the men- type of mentoring relationships between upperclassmen and underclassmen, or maybe it's uh, making friends with people who are going through a very similar uh, gap process and looking for that new group that's going to accompany them through high school and potentially beyond high school as well. Um, so I think that that was a major uh, a major touchstone that it kind of uh, resonated with your experience. Another thing that we think about, like I'm interested in that combination of robotics and and swimming. And so, like, what what made you get into robotics? Uh, well, I was sort of roped into it by uh, by one of my other friends. Ah, you know? uh, yes, you know, good going peer in, pressure. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, going into freshman year, um, one of my my good friends uh, 
that I actually know from swimming previously. Uh, he was like, hey, so we're working on this robot. Uh, and you, you should come you should come see it right yeah. so it starts out as me just coming to come and you know sort of look around and uh, back then the tomorrow labs didn't exist so we were in the little broom closet across the way oh yes uh, <laughs> the Harry Potter room yes yeah. uh, so I came in and uh you know, had a look at, at what they were doing, and it, you know, it was amazing. Uh-huh. So I wanted to uh, be a, become part of that, and you know, at first I was terrible. I was only good for plugging in wires, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, eventually I sort of, you know, developed the skills necessary to, to do that sort of thing. Another important uh, touchstone of co-curriculars is, as you're just saying, maybe you weren't good at something to start off, but you you develop a skill or uh, some sort of hobby or interest. Uh, and it's it's easy uh, it's easy to enter into high school or the prep experience thinking there's only one type of student out there, like oh you know if someone were to look at you and say oh you're a swimmer you know, and swimming is a very demanding sport I mean practices before and after school, uh, so it's very physically exhausting but that's not all to who you are or who a lot of our students are. Uh, there's not just one activity you have to settle with, nor only one activity that reflects the uniqueness and dynamism of your personality. So I love these combinations of like swimming, robotics, uh, uh, soccer, and uh, singing, or uh, speech and uh, speech and debate, and uh, you know uh, the National Art Honor Society, whatever it might be. These combinations of activities that students do, I think, uh, develop personalities a lot, uh, a lot more at the school, uh, and as well develop those hobbies, those interests that uh, maybe the academic experience touches upon, but doesn't always give sufficient opportunity. Just with uh, the kind of the, the rigor of a curriculum that we have to have. Uh, it gives the opportunities to develop those sides of yourself too in high school, which are really important. Uh, and uh, the last last thing that you initially started off with that I wanted to come back to, uh, just of like why student activities or what does this add to the prep experience, is that you mentioned you got to meet some faculty members or, or staff members in the building. Is there is there one or two faculty or staff members that have already, even though you're a sophomore, kind of helped shape your prep experience thus far yeah i I mean certainly uh mrs thompson she's no longer here she Mm -hmm. left this year but i mean you know i've learned a tremendous amount from her just last year uh uh, you know having the opportunity to uh you know operate in the tomorrow labs get to use all the the fun toys in there you know the 3d printers laser cutters you know Uh just being able to uh have access to that sort of thing Mm -hmm. uh under her watchful eye of course uh uh, certainly i mean that shaped a lot of my freshman year i spent a lot of my mornings in there messing around with everything there was to to mess around with sure and it's usually in those kind of uh banal or like maybe uh just like supervisory times that you have a faculty staff member that you actually develop a relationship with a staff member when uh uh, when you're uh, being watched over or, you know, they ask you how your day is going. That's a time of just building relationships with students from the faculty member's perspective, but also from the student's perspective or potentially the student's perspective. That's also the building blocks of developing a relationship with a faculty or staff member that um, 
maybe it's maybe it's only about sharing expertise. So Mrs. Thompson's just been working in robotics or the the Tomorrow Labs more than more than you have, uh, so that uh, she has something to give. But also, there's uh, there's this uh, mutuality to those student uh, faculty staff relationships where there's something more that we have to give as faculty and staff members uh, than just expertise. Uh, hopefully there's some way that we model our lives and the way that we give our lives over to uh, our students. Um, maybe you hear stories about our, our families or our past experiences that hopefully might illuminate some part of your path, you know, as a student. Uh, but also, too, we get so much uh, from the uh, the energy, the, uh, the, the excitement, um, and the creativity of, of students in our lives and uh and as well you all present uh ample opportunities for us to increase in our ability to love people (laughs) whether it's uh developing patience whether it's a a company of students that maybe unrelated to whatever the actual activity you're doing feels comfortable enough uh in that relationship with a faculty staff member to share some other part of their life that they don't feel is going that well or uh, they're just going through a very difficult time. Uh, so co-curriculars can be a great way to have uh, these building block experiences to relationships with mentors in the building who can accompany you even past uh, high school too, but especially in high school as it's as it can be a, a very turbulent time even for the most... Uh, the most intelligent or the most well-connected person in the building um, or the most talented. There's uh, there's just parts of human life and human development that are difficult to get through in high school that uh, you don't have to do it alone. And it's sometimes very, and not sometimes, usually it's very good to have one or two adult mentors that help help a person navigate those waters since they've had to navigate them themselves. So those would be some things that I would point to that I'm, I'm so happy that resonate with your experience, Andrew, of the um, kind of the mentoring relationships, uh, developing these extra, these other sides of your personality, and as well connecting you to something, uh, to something larger than yourself, you know, a friend group, a cause, uh, friends with the cause, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that's obviously been a huge part of my time here so far, and I've got uh, about three years left to, you know, experience even more. So there's certainly a lot out there. Well, you're um, starting off on a good foot. All right. So next thing I wanted to talk about is mm-hmm. the long-awaited return of intramurals. We've heard <laughs> sure. a lot about, uh, you know, potentially an app coming out to help schedule that. Do you have yeah. anything you can uh, share with us at this time? Uh, oh, sure. I need to share. I need to get the word out more. Uh, so intramurals overall is, is revamped this year. Um, I guess in, uh, in, in the summer, I was looking at the program and thought, uh, there's a lot of strong things with with intramurals that uh, was present in the old system, like that students could play during community period times. It was a convenient time to get to intramural uh, games and competitions. Uh, And uh, as well, it was based on the house system so that students could easily just drop in to play intramurals and uh, not worry about being on a team or not, or, you know, so all those dynamics uh, were not 
not affecting the the previous system. But uh, but some of the things that uh, intramurals and some older renditions of how intramurals were ran here at Prep it was based on like uh, inviting different groups of friends or or people to form teams that would play during lunch and people used to and when we had longer lunch periods before the block schedule would uh, would go and watch the intramural games going on in the Mullen uh, as part of the uh, uh, lunchtime entertainment. <laughs> now, granted, we have iPads now and all of that, so uh, it's hard to pull some students away from Netflix on their screens during lunch <laughs> or, or busily fish, finishing up that homework that's due the next period. Uh, uh, but there is, there is some aspect of intramurals where uh, maybe it was... You know, instead of being solely based on the house system, it was based on trying to collect some of those other natural units of groups in the school, which is the like the friend group as I see it, and to invite them to come take that energy of their friend group and put it within the intramural venue. Uh, uh, so that so kind of philosophically, there's been a, a shift that we're doing, and this is uh, the way that we're developing the program too. Is that there's not just um, there's not just an option to sign up as a team. You can sign up as a free agent, and it might be a great way to meet some new people if we uh, uh, we place you on a team, uh, so that you can yeah play uh, play intramurals with a new group and and get to make hopefully some new friends. Uh, also, this year with intramurals, uh, that's part of the kind of tectonic shift that we're. Uh, we're doing is uh, there's a new intramurals director. So Mr. Dakota Wagner, who's an alumni volunteer corps member here, uh, works with me in student activities, but he's also the director of intramurals this year. Um, and just with having um, a dedicated uh, person that um, n- doesn't have many other job responsibilities in the school, like Coach Kleber being the athletic trainer and the intramurals director, uh, it allows it allows intramurals to have a dedicated person to uh, that activity, so to develop the program a little bit more than what uh, Coach Cleaver was able to do with being the main athletic trainer for the school. So that's uh, that's difficult just in time to give intramurals enough support that it needs to really develop. But getting down to some of the other like things that students might see would be this a new app that we went with called I Am Leagues. Um, it's a it's a smartphone app that a lot of other colleges in the area use uh, to manage their intramurals program. Students will be able to sign up as teams or individuals or free agents that get placed on teams eventually. But we're able to share schedules, share standings, uh, scores, um, and uh, coordinate check-ins, check-outs for for intramurals through uh, the app. I'm really excited about it. I'm, that's been one of the, the um, major issues with uh, with students is just getting to publish the intramural schedule, especially if we're going to break up intramurals into smaller smaller teams and groups of friends that we have a good communication structure in place so that teams know when they're going to play. Now, uh, kind of last major thing that students might see would be um, – uh, there's going to be three seasons of intramurals, uh, each with two or three different sports involved. Uh, 
So there will be uh, a fall season that will include ultimate frisbee and brisket ball and dodgeball, which I think will be great. So we've reserved uh, gym and field time for that. We're currently working on uh, reserving gym time for basketball in the winter season, um, uh, possibly doing volleyball again, uh, but also um, uh, on weekends or weekday nights too. So the idea would be that um, we have these three seasons with two or three sports going at each time uh, and that intramurals would no longer be limited to just community period, but looking at some dead time, possibly in student calendars, that would be like Thursday nights and Sunday afternoons, we thought, would be great times to uh, invite students to come back to school to play intramurals, uh, just like you would see on a collegiate campus. Uh, for uh, for students that are living on campus. So uh, we'll see how it works. Uh, we definitely have an experimental mindset with this, uh, and we'll continue to tweak the intramurals uh, format. But overall, what students will see as changes is a new app to coordinate signups uh, and schedules, kind of a seasons approach. So we'll have different sports at different times. And lastly, just an expanded uh, expanded time frame for intramurals that it's not limited just to community period but also to uh, Thursday afternoons and nights and Sunday afternoons when we think we we might be able to catch some students who want to come back to school and, and do something fun okay uh, so you know follow-up question with that yes <clears throat> will volleyball club be sort of merged into that or will it remain its own separate ordeal yeah, yeah the volleyball club uh, definitely had a lot of likes to it last year uh, and was very popular it was somewhat the basis for how we're thinking about intramurals now uh, I uh, I'm moving it to be part of intramurals uh, at least then it would help uh, help to have a volleyball club or their activities run through the IM leagues app that can share schedules a lot more fluidly than than what I was able to do with just typing out announcements and sending a lot of emails. Uh, so that's the goal is to uh, create volleyball leagues within the IM Leagues app, and then uh, the volleyball teams will know when they can play during community period. So that will probably be a community period activity, similar to last year. But uh, nonetheless, it doesn't have to be just community period. There could be weekend games or you know weeknight games uh, now. Yeah, well, well that's... Uh... That sounds amazing, actually. Uh, I know, yeah, me personally, I know a lot of my friends would probably be interested in yeah. uh, even coming back. Because uh, I know for me personally, uh, you know, I I give up my community period only for, you know, something that I know is going to be really good. Yes. You know, that's my study hall. If I'm like got hours of homework to do and I want to get it done, uh, I think that's a great, yes. great idea to sort of avoid. I know a lot of people just not wanting to participate because they need that study hall uh, will not have the opportunity to sort of participate in intramurals. Right, right. I think, uh, yeah, I think we have to find some fun things for students to do in the building. Class, uh, I will, I, I maintain the party line. Class time can be fun or is fun. You know, <laughs> learning is fun. But nonetheless, uh, there's a lot of different other types of fun or learning out there. And although it might not seem like it, uh, helping, helping students learn, well, sportsmanship loosely during volleyball club time. <laughs> you know, uh, but helping, helping students develop relationships is part of the prep experience just as much as it is, you know, increasing or broadening the horizons of your intellect. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, 
uh, something we want to keep around. Awesome. All right, so the next thing uh, I have on my mind is Brohaha. Oh, arguably sure. the most popular event <laughs> from last year. Oh, I know it was yes. well, well received by all the students. Uh, will we see a return of Brohaha this year? Oh, yes. The, the, uh, the illustrious Brohaha e-gaming and open gym night will be making a return. But uh, since it was so successful the last, last year for the one time that we did it, uh, I have scheduled uh, four brohaha events this year, uh, so that every quarter you could expect a brohaha night, uh, and it, it will be a very uh, similar, identical format. Uh, so there will be uh, uh, classrooms that are open up for students to bring whatever gaming system they want in and to uh, play play over the classroom projectors, which is kind of nice if you're you're normally limited to a a smaller screen, you know, to have ample room to sit and to play on a bigger screen. Students uh, usually enjoy that. So we'll have that uh, still available. And then the gyms to be open up as well. And and there will be faculty and staff chaperones around, you know, to keep the peace and the good of the order. (laughs) Make sure nothing gets broken. Uh, uh, And... uh, this year, uh, we're going to be inviting uh, Chick-fil-A to come sell food, um, so that will be a little easier for us. Last year, uh, we partnered with Cane's, or we bought Cane's Chicken Fingers, uh, but Chick-fil-A has uh, agreed to uh, come and have like a mobile station for us for oh, for, really? uh, for uh, 7 to 9.30 that night. Um, and so our first, our first Brohaha event will be Friday, September 14th. Oh, so that's coming up pretty quick here. Yes, yes, it is. So we're busily getting things prepared uh, for it, but it should be a really, a really fun night. Uh, it's great to see students that want to come back to school for something, uh, <laughs> uh, even if it is just to play video games. What they could be doing in their basements or their bedrooms or some other uh, friend's bedroom or basement, uh, but it's just to have that energy here on a Friday night at at school. Uh, is a good problem to have, you know, and yeah. how do you contain that? Uh, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure what your experience has been like, but video games can be a very isolating experience too. Like, okay, now you're able to connect with people all over the world through a server or even friends in the area, but you don't have to be next to that person to play anymore. Like when I first started playing video games, there was very little uh, internet connectivity of uh, or server games uh you know that you could play uh but there's something i think there's something great about uh the brohaha event where you have to you can be in the same room with buddies and just and just play and there's so much banter or trash talking or you know all those all those little building blocks of friendship and relationships that uh when we give it when we give an activity like video games uh kind of a space where it can have a social element can be a lot of fun yeah just good clean fun yeah i mean i mean i I know i certainly enjoyed it and i know yeah many people who did so yes i know everyone is glad for uh yes for more opportunities to play video games yes well if you haven't yes right 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 everyone loves uh playing video games at school whether it's during the school day or not So I know the last thing that I wanted to talk about is the upcoming club fair that yes. will be uh, coming up here, I think, in the next week or two. Next week. Next week, yep. So it's a shorter week with Labor Day being off for us, but uh, next week is our student activities week. 
So well, what will that entail from you know a student perspective? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a two-pronged approach. Uh, so we will have the Student Activities Fair, uh, which will be on Wednesday, September 5th, during the 8.35 a.m. late start that day in the Mullen Gym. So from 7 to 8.25, we'll have student leaders or uh, a few faculty members who are representing some other tables like myself that just don't have any students in them yet uh, to represent the activity in order that they can help try to recruit new uh, new members to their group. Uh, so that's the traditional activities fair, a big room, lots of tables, lots of people saying, why don't you sign up? Why don't you <laughs> sign up? And usually students getting on too many email lists. Uh, but unless that's part of the wide kind of the wide net approach that uh, we want to have in particular with freshmen and sophomores, some of the younger students in the building that might have uh, struggled or are struggling to get involved with something or like uh, like you said, Andrew, you know, maybe they're experience some rockiness with this transition to high school that we want to get them involved in something uh, to get those kind of touchstone uh, experiences of student activities. Uh, so that's the first thing would be just the activities fair the morning of September 5th during the late start. The second would be during the lunch periods, uh, we'll have tables lining the campus ministry and counseling corridor uh, for groups also to sign up to table and try to recruit new members. So it, it, it's trying to find times just to get our moderators or student leaders of these activities out in front of other students to try to recruit them uh, to join their club if they're interested. Uh, and lastly, uh, so I, there's two main prongs to that approach. Like I said, activities fair, lunch periods, but I'm encouraging all of the uh, moderators for the clubs to have intro meetings within the next two weeks in order to move from putting your name on an email list to actually uh, having a student come through the doors of a club and explore it, decide if they're going to participate or not, um, and just that students have all the information they need in order to participate. What breaks my heart is either students saying they didn't have the motivation until the very end of their prep experience to get involved, or they didn't have the information uh, to get involved earlier in their prep experience. Um, and I can try to help with the motivation as much as I can, but information information is something that's a little more easier that we can uh, handle and try to make sure all that uh, information of getting involved is available. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a great way to do it. Certainly, mm-hmm. you know the the club fair aspects. Yes. I think, uh, so I think as we were drawing closer and closer to the bell, I yes. think that might be all the time that we have for today. Oh, is that the uh, pre- prep perspective? I don't know how to you. What's the name of the prep perspective? The prep perspective, yeah, or the. It'd be fun if you had like the pre- the prep perspective, you know, something like that. You know, we always try to work prep into anything that begins with a P. <laughs> Anyways, well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time this morning. It was oh, great talking to you. Thank you for your time. It's been it's been great having you. Lots of good information and exciting exciting revelations about this year. Yeah. So well, thank you very much, and uh, I hope you get involved uh, with something else too. But you already have a quite a full activities roster. <laughs> yeah, I will certainly be attending the club fair, and I hope all of our listeners will as well. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you.